Now back to the Sunday show with Philip O'Donnell and LaMoya Burks. Brought to you by State Farm agent Derek McGarry on Texarkana's 104.7 KTOY. And we are back uh, for this edition of the Sunday show with myself, LaMoya Burks and Philip O'Donnell. And we just wrapped up a uh, unique and very fulfilling interview with Evan Crawford, first African-American scholar uh, ship awardee for Texas High here in Texarkana, Texas. With us now, we have a Texas House of Representative uh, Jasmine Crockett on the line with us. Jasmine, are you there? Jasmine, are you with us? I'm here. All right. Good morning, Jasmine. We apologize for the delay. How are you? I'm doing just fine. How about y'all? We are good. Doing good. All right. So, Jasmine, can you introduce yourself to uh, the listeners? Absolutely. So, first of all, good morning, Texarkana. Um, This is State Representative Jasmine Crockett, also known as Attorney Jasmine Crockett. Uh, I'm a civil rights lawyer, criminal defense attorney, and I also handle car accidents. Um, But as of now, my biggest job is to be in Austin and write the laws for the state of Texas. Awesome. Now, Jasmine, a lot of people may not know that you kind of did a little stint in Texarkana. You were here for a few years. We got a chance to know you. But how has life been after Texarkana? What else have you been up to in addition to practicing law and state rep and such? Yeah, so uh, I did longer than a cent. <laughs> right, right. I was, in, I was in Texarkana from 2006 until approximately maybe 2014, 2015. Um, and I, I still was doing kind of a back and forth. Um, but essentially, uh, once I got to Dallas, I got very involved in some mental health stuff. Um, it's always been a huge crossover in the criminal defense world. Um, so I was appointed to a board, and that board is the MetroCare Board, and uh, they actually are the largest providers of mental health services in North Texas. Um, so I got a little bit more involved in mental health and trying to figure out solutions on that front. I also got very involved with a number of activist organizations, um, and that's what actually drove me into doing a, a number of kind of civil rights cases uh fraternity brother of mine, because I am a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, and Omega, who actually was out of Philadelphia, he and I linked up. His name is Lee Merritt, and we started working on some of these cases together. Uh, Lee pretty much handles civil rights cases exclusively, and I decided to go the route of um, trying to change things from a legislative point. So that's what led me to run. So I am only in my freshman Term. I am the only newly elected black member of the Texas House, and I am the youngest black member of the Texas House this session. Wow, congratulations. Now, Lamar, it's your turn to ask a question, but I got I to gotta just get one. I'm going to squeeze one in here. Um, Arkansas is only about 16% black, and obviously our House of Representatives is reflective of that with the low numbers. What is it like in Texas? I mean, that you say you're the youngest amongst the black, and you say you're the only newly elected black. Is it more than just a handful of black state reps? We make up about 10%. So there's 15 uh, black state representatives. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's still a little lower than what we look like in the state. Um, but Texas overall does have more black people than any other state, complete number. Uh, but percentage-wise, yeah. percentage-wise, we're probably about... We're still a little bit more than 10%, but not very much more. So let's talk more about the work. So 
of course, you can almost imagine what the next topic <laughs> is going to be. Let's talk snowstorm 2021. I've noticed, I'm sure many of those out there as listeners, you've noticed a lot of movement with Miss Jasmine Crockett uh, over the last couple of days. Um, so all things ERCOT. So what we do know is, is Texas has its own separate power grid and that there was a meeting on February 9th that uh, was about two minutes and I guess two hours and 28 minutes is the estimated time where the board of directors briefly discussed of the, the upcoming snowstorm. With that being said, uh, ERCOT, as we're learning, is a nonprofit organization, right? So, Jasmine, as we move forward, I've noticed that, you know, uh, a lot of what, what are we to do uh, in the midst of this crisis statewide? And um, I noticed that in, in social media, you took action, in, in calling someone. Can you talk a little more about that and, and what was that outcome? Oh, yeah. So um, so we ended up with briefings. Uh, so I ended up with a briefing with Encore um, as well as a briefing with ERCOT. Um, the ERCOT briefing didn't go too well. <laughs> um, I, I definitely switched to uh, attorney mode and it was cross-examination so mm. luckily I was able to get a crash course in what all was going on from my liaison with Encore which I had to find out who that was uh, in the midst of all this drama but uh, he was great um, an electrical engineer just so happens that he lives in my house district and he was able to break down for me kind of how all this works because um, sadly enough when you go through freshman orientation there is no briefing on ERCOT. So mm. I didn't learn of their existence um, until everything kind of went wrong. And so essentially what it is, is you're right. We have this grid um, and we are on our own island because that's right. how Texas likes to be. Um, and so <laughs> this overall grid is what generates, that's where the, the generation of power comes from to the entire state except for El Paso, but that's a whole other issue. But right. overall... Um, all of the generation, so to speak, comes from um, this deal that's set up by ERCOT, right? And then you have those that deliver power. And so for the most for most people in the Dallas area, Encore is like the delivery service. We have about five different delivery services overall in the state. And then we have retailers, which is why some people are freaking out about their uh, electricity bill. Right. Um, because that's more so on the retail side, but that's, that's a whole other conversation. Um, and so what happened is I was like, I need to understand who I need to be mad at, right? <laughs> and so it became clear that ERCOT is who I needed to be mad at. So uh, on the briefing, I basically said, you know, I don't understand why you're telling us that it just, we ended up experiencing unprecedented colds as if that's an excuse for why people don't have heat. Right. And so they were like, well, you know, representative, that's what it was. I said, let me tell you something. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. And in St. Louis, Missouri, we experience a lot colder weather all the time. In fact, right now they have colder weather. They have colder weather in Chicago. They have colder weather in New York, Canada, Alaska, and the list goes on. So, no, this wasn't unprecedented. No, it's not like the um, technology doesn't exist. 
there is a problem and we need to get to the bottom of it. So I don't really want to hear what went wrong. What I want to hear is how do we fix whatever went wrong? And you're not telling me that. So let's talk about it. Is it that we just need to join back to uh, the national grid because you guys can't handle the demand? Or is it that we need to make sure that we're pushing for more homeowners to get uh, renewable energies in the form of solar panels so that you guys don't have so much demand put on you? And he was just, he, he didn't really know what to say. And um, so he didn't answer my questions. Um, he basically said that what was going on is that our, our peak season is normally the summertime. So a lot of our generation is not um, in a very well insulated type of situation because they don't want it to overheat. Mm. So a lot of our generation is more so outside. Um, and so they said, you know, up in the more northern states, they make sure to keep their power generation in very well insulated buildings. Um, that didn't work for me either. You know, it's a lack right. of diversity overall with our energy, focusing so much on oil, gas, and coal, and nuclear. Um, you know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that, you know, we were hearing that gas lines were frozen. So that's a whole other issue that has to go do with the Railroad Commission, um, a race that no one ever pays attention to and no one truly understands. I almost feel like we just need to go ahead and change the name of the job so that people may be more uh, interested in paying attention to who actually gets those positions. Um, we had a Democratic nominee that is an oil and gas attorney who either got the largest uh, jury verdict in the history of Texas or in the history of this country against oil and gas. Um, Krista Castaneda needed to be there at the table, but we did not vote her in. And so we continue to vote for people that are basically pawns for the oil and gas uh, industry. The reality is that the oil and gas industry is full of billionaires, not millionaires, but billionaires. And they sink tons of money into these campaigns. I want they could barely raise any money against this Democratic foe. And uh, he ended up getting about, I think, close to half a million hmm. from one oil and gas tycoon. Like, they basically ran its campaign. Well, what happens when you have, you know, people in the house that are bought and paid for by oil and gas? They're going to consistently vote for them. They're not going to vote for the people. And so, you know, this is a matter, you talk about that meeting, and essentially uh, it's very disappointing because we don't have uh, an overall alert that's required. Right. I did submit for a bill. Um, that would at least require an alert. That doesn't fix it, but maybe it does minimize um, the damage that we experience in this kind of thing. You know, you never know a person's situation. Right. There are people that uh, needed electricity to literally survive, not just those of us that wanted to stay warm, but we had people that had medical machines and things like that, and they needed electricity to make sure that they could sustain their life and so I did submit for a bill that at least would say, hey, when we see that the, the plane is crashing, we at least alert um, all of those that are in that crash course and give them an opportunity to do like Ted Cruz did and go somewhere warmer. And, so, speaking, of, uh, and speaking of somewhere warmer, 
What I also found alarming is that five of the 15 board members do not live in the state of Texas. There are two that live in Michigan. Well, one lives in Michigan and one lives in California. So, you know, when you're talking about someone going to another place uh, that's a little more comforting at the time or another temperature for that, for that matter. And during this same meeting, there were nominations and elections of um, a new chair and vice chair. So it does sound like, you know, change at the congressional level and then as it bleeds into the board, right, is needed. No, it, 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 it's absolutely true. So the best that I understand so far of ERCOT is it is a nonprofit, but the organization that over the governmental agency that's kind of overseeing them, everyone on that board is appointed by the governor. Um, and, and even on ERCOT's board, you know, it's a nonprofit, but most of them are paid well into six figures mm. for sitting on that board. Um, so, okay. you know, <laughs> when you start adding the financial component on top of the fact that there's no requisite that you live there, um, you know, I just spoke about sitting on the Metro Care board. That was a non-paid position. And when I tell you they had so many rules for me to be on that non-paid, I mean, it was non-paid. And uh, at the time, I started kind of going back and forth between uh, Dallas and Texarkana, but I was still a Texarkana, like, voter at the time. And they were like, oh, you're not allowed to, to sit on this board. I was like, well, I, I own property here, too. And they were like, no, no, no. <laughs> you have to be a registered voter here, too. And I was like, all right. I had to change my voter registration. And even when I decided to run for office, I had to withdraw from my position on this non-paid board. Mm-hmm. So it, it just bewilders me the lack of investment that is required for this board, right? Investment into, um, you know, the people of Texas. Because the way that I rule may be different if it means that my friends and family would potentially be subjected to um, deadly conditions. And, you know, the governor declared a state of emergency on that previous Saturday. Um, He did submit and we did get a federal emergency declaration on that Sunday. And then that Monday morning is when everything kind of fell apart. Um, And so it's my understanding that um, they did know, like, we kind of started to know something was wrong uh, on, I believe, Sunday mm-hmm. is when they were like, hey, let as many people as you know stop kind of, like, basically reduce their uh, energy usage. That's all they kind of told us on maybe Sunday. But it came out a little bit later in some briefings that they knew about a week before the storm um, that the plane was going down. Like, they, they, they could see it, you know, and so I'm like, it, it doesn't make sense that it was going down, but if it was going down, the best thing that we could have done is been transparent, open, and honest, um, not invoke fear, but at least, um, you know, allow people an opportunity to, to make decisions for their families. So, yeah, are- let me ask you this. Um, okay, can, I, can I go? You want to go ahead, yes, go ahead. You, go have, ahead, you go have a thought based on what she said? Okay. Well, I was just going to ask you, I was going to ask you this, just the comparison. A lot of people think that it might be acceptable. Okay, it doesn't normally get this cold in Texas. And, you know, they're comparing Texas to the others, you know, to places that are normally cold. And they're going to obviously have infrastructure because it's normally cold there. But when you make that contrast between the rest of Texas and El Paso, El Paso had none of the issues. When their power went off, typically it was restored five minutes later. So it's like, it, it's it's kind of a sad response leadership and it's the political leadership i think it's just it's just like you said it's, it's a fa- it's a reflection and it's not just ERCOT, but it's the representatives it's the it's the you know the gop 
but it's a sad reflection on them because El Paso got everything right after that 2010 storm. And the rest of Texas, for whatever reason, has gone through this before and chose not to make those kind of decisions. Correct. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, you know, 2011 was, was a, another example of, hey, there's something that is terribly wrong and we need to prepare for it. Um, and, and those preparations weren't made. Um, you know, there's been just a lack of oversight and regulation, which is why Texas didn't want to be on any larger grid. Um, you know, winterization was um, up to those that provide for generation. Like, it was like, oh, you know, whatever you want to do. Like, no. <laughs> like, some basic, and, and when it comes down to it, it's profit over people. That is mm -hmm. what happened. It was straight up profit over people. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like, sad to say, but the perfect storm. Because when we also look at the fact that Texas is one of the fastest growing states, if not the fastest growing state, right now it's anticipated that we will pick up three congressional seats in the U.S. Uh, Congress. And that is due to the growth that Texas is, has experienced. So the way that I explain it to people is I say, listen, when you start to grow, your infrastructure has to grow with the people. You know, there may be a town that started with one road because there were only 10 people in the town. But by the time you have 1,000 people, you've got to have more than one dirt road, right? And so that's another thing that kind of went off the rails. Like the grid needed to be expanded upon, and uh, there needed to be additional generation that was created that aligned with the growth that we were experiencing because the problem was the demand. And demand is going to be, obviously, it's going to increase if you've got more people in addition to the fact that the entire state basically froze. The entire state. So let's talk about what the people have done. Because I've seen pictures, I've, you know, the personal post of what, you know, has gotten better, hasn't gotten better, remain the same. There, you're in the DFW area. Can you talk about uh, banding together as one as us as people, what have you seen, noticed, and experienced for the better as of right man, now? It is, uh, man, it's, it's been nothing sheer, but God's grace on display um, in, in actual action. I have, I have never been a part of something so organically right. Um, you, you know, it, it was a failure on state, on state government. <laughs> And sadly enough, I learned as a member of the legislature, there is nothing fast about government. You know, I'm like, mm, right. what can I do? Where can I get the money? I'm trying to get it now. I need to send it here or there. You know, it's like, they're like, no, it doesn't work that way. I'm like, this is crazy. And so the only reason that uh, more lives have truly been spared is because of really good local elected officials um, and just good organizations, wonderful churches, nonprofits, they're the real heroes. They're the only ones that, like, hop to it immediately and say, yeah, we get it. We need to change policy, but right now we got to save lives. And that's exactly what they've done. Um, the local elected officials there have tapped into every resource that they could, calling upon the MAV, calling upon um, HelloFresh, Cola. You know, all of the corporations that they have some sort of uh, relationship with saying, listen, like people will perish. We need you and we need you now. And those private entities have just jumped to it immediately. 
And then you've got just the nonprofit organizations that have said, all right, what's needed? People need rooms right now. We'll take up money. We'll get people hotel rooms. Um, we'll make sure that they're fed. We'll, I mean, there are, you know, just community members that are like, how can I help? And they've spent time just in kitchens or they've spent time delivering foods and to see us finally take care of our homeless population. Cause normally we don't, we just let them chill outside and that's it. And we don't care. Um, but knowing that these are, are deadly temperatures, even if you were inside your home, it was a beautiful uh, display to see people taking people into their homes. People, I had somebody uh, message me on Facebook and said, you know, a random family in Collin County took me in. Like, I don't even know how to respond to this. Like, she's like, I hope they're safe. I've got my gun. I'm like, yo, if there's the type of people that would take you in in the middle of a storm, you're probably good. Um, but it, it's been uh, it's been a beautiful display. And while it has been so beautiful, I, I don't want any elected official on the state level to be let off the hook because it's not on them to handle and clean up our mess. It's on us to make sure that it doesn't get messy ever again. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, Miss Jasmine Crockett, we thank you for your insight uh, on the congressional level and all things leadership. Um, we look forward to continuing to uh, follow you um, as you always are very open to any communication um, for the Texarkana area and beyond. How can we best keep the lines of communication open with you? But further, um, just in the as I speak of the following, following you to ensure that we understand what the issues are and where we stand with them going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So on all social media platforms, uh, we are Jasmine for 100. So J-A-S-M-I-N-E and then the word for F-O-R and then 100. And uh, we try to conduct, not we try, we do uh, conduct a town hall that is held every second Tuesday of the month. So if you follow us, you'll be notified of that. That is a virtual town hall. It is not limited to those that live in my district. Um, I try to explain what all I'm doing for my district. But, you know, we've gotten off those town halls, and I've gotten great suggestions and ideas that have led to uh, proposed legislation. And so I try to make sure that I'm answering questions for people so that they understand government. I think that part of the problem and why we end up electing kind of the same old people over and over and over is that there is a little bit of a mystique around who does what and how. Mm -hmm. And so I am trying to break that down and make sure that people understand government because if you understand, then it's not a matter of will I vote, it's a matter of when can I vote. Right. And so um, the knowledge is, is the power that I believe has been really missing from uh, driving people to the polls. And so I, I pray that everyone pays attention to all elections on all levels because they all matter. If it weren't for me having good city councilmen, um, there would have been a lot more damage done to my people in my district. So, you know, it's always that people that are closest to you, which means the city level, those are the people that will help you and affect your lives a lot quicker. Um, but sadly enough, it's always kind of the presidential level that everybody pays attention to. So we continually see a decrease in participation the closer that we get to that level of government that affects them. Like I anticipate that we're going to have a drop off 
when the gubernatorial elections come up because we always drop off from presidential to gubernatorial. But guess what? The oversight was added, right? So, so I mean, you know, Texas, if you really froze, I need you to remember that because we started voting in the primaries in less than a year from now. You know, it's time to get involved with elections. It's time to find out who is going to run for office. And even if they aren't in the Texarkana area, there's so much that you can do, whether it's making phone calls for candidates that you believe will um, forge forward with those ideals that align with you. You can make phone calls from anywhere in Texas. You can send text messages from anywhere in Texas. You can post on social media. You can make donations. There's things that you can do. So I encourage everyone out there who is outraged, upset, hurt by what went on to get involved in some way, not just in in political campaigns, but also just in the process. So we will have a hearing on this uh, catastrophic event on 225. And so there's going to be the state affairs as well as the energy committee. They will be having a hearing on 225. Sadly enough, the only people that are allowed to actually testify have been invited to testify, but they are taking comments. And so if you go to bit.ly, bit.ly backslash eat up texas that form will allow you to submit comments that will go to those that sit on those committees it is easy for people to ignore you or forget about you if you don't say anything it is a lot harder if you put it in front of them so i do encourage everyone to get involved in some way and i do thank y'all for everything that y'all do this this show has been going for quite some time, um, and it is integral to making sure that those in the community know what's going on. So I appreciate y'all. Yeah. Lamoya, do I have time to squeeze one more question in for Jasmine? Yeah. Okay, cool. Jasmine, tell me this, and, 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 and this question is prefaced with the fact that education probably is the number one thing that gets anybody anywhere in, in life or to be impactful or whatever. You, part of your background was at an HBCU. Um, talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, so uh, I attended Texas Southern uh, for a portion of law school, and let me tell you, there, there's <laughs> there's a stark difference. Um, so anybody that thinks that they want to go to an HBCU, please at least try to visit one, um, because the investment that my professors had in me, I still have professors. I've been out of law school for 15 years. I still have professors that reach out to me and have been encouraging me all throughout my run uh, for this I just personally found that my professors cared more about making sure that I truly understood. Um, and there was never uh, a need to quote unquote fit in or assimilate. Um, I believe that diversity was always embraced and loved, uh, you know, in the HBCU realm. Um, there was so much diversity as there is amongst us as black folks. It was a little different going to uh, a predominantly white school. Um, it, it felt like you had to kind of try to fit into a certain thing. I've always been who I am, but it definitely made me stick out like a sore thumb. So uh, I would definitely encourage those that are interested to, to take a serious and hard look at it. All right. Well, Ms. Jasmine Crockett, we will definitely make sure that we keep in contact, staying connected with the state of Texas and all of the movement that you and those who represent our communities uh, for the better for all people. At this time, it is time for us to wrap it up. We've had so much fun and uh, had fun while it lasted. We hate to end it on today. Today has been such a fire show. Ms. Crockett, we thank you again and we hope to hear from you soon. 
Thank you. All right. And that's it for this show. Hope you enjoyed the Sunday show. We'll be back next week with another amazing show and more amazing guests. That is all for this edition of the KTLY Sunday Show. We hope you have a great day, and we actually hope that you will tell your friends about the Sunday Show. Now, on behalf of myself, LaMoya Burks, and Philip O'Donnell, and all of the great and wonderful people here at Texarkana Radio, thank you, our listeners, and for being kind enough to tune into our show. Remember, you're listening to KTLY Radio 104.7 FM, the station that cares about the quality of your life, the soul of the city. In case you want to hear this show again, it will be rebroadcast at 6 o'clock p.m. this evening on our sister station, 105.9. And the podcast of previous shows is available at www.ktly1047.com. If you want to appear on the Sunday show, you have to contact LaMoya Burks at 903-244-3997. Now, I try to make this point to people, and this is kind of serious. We typically schedule guests a month in advance, so you have to contact Lemoya well in advance of when you want to appear on the Sunday show. And again, that number is 903-244-3997. Now, we have a closing quote, and it is courtesy of a lady who is the author of I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. She spent part of her childhood in Stamps, Arkansas, which is just down Highway 82 from Texarkana. She went on to become Poet Laureate. She was an acclaimed actress, a civil rights activist, a TV director and producer, as well as being a published author who was awarded over 50 honorary degrees. Her name is Maya Angelou, and this is her quote. I did then what I knew how to do. Now that I know better, I do better. With that said, we will see you next week on the Sunday show, and we love you. This year has many people pondering the question, am I prepared for life's unpredictable moments? 2020 definitely offers new proof that things can change in the blink of an eye. Before these random, accidental, or unpredictable moments happen, we are here to help you prepare for them, just as we've always been and always will be. This is State Farm Agent Derek McGarry. Please call us at 903-831-2000 or visit us at DerekIsMyAgent.com. TOI is making 2021 your best year ever with a bucket list trip to Juneau, Alaska. Alaska. You'll explore breathtaking glaciers, fjords hundreds of fathoms deep, and feast on wild-caught salmon. Five days of awesome adventures and world-class accommodations on your bucket list trip from Travel Juneau. Ready to start packing? Register at Unclaimed Furniture or Clear Sound Audio Video to instantly qualify today. From the station going to the coolest destinations. K-T-O-Y. The Sunday Show will return next Sunday morning from 9 to 10. If you have questions, contact Dee Dee Woods. Dee Dee Woods 56 at AOL.com. The views and opinions expressed during the Sunday Show are not necessarily the views or opinions of Texarkana Radio Center. Today's R&B and R&B.